Hello everyone, it's been a minute. It's been quite some time since I've recorded a podcast, and that is totally my fault, but that is okay, because I'm hoping to be more consistent and do a weekly podcast, whether it be solo or hopefully with some great guests coming up. Speaking of great guests, today... I had a great episode, maybe the best yet, with a very special guest. Today is November 8th, 2018. You're listening to the Be Noble, Be Kind podcast, and I'm your host, Brandon Noble. Enjoy. everybody and welcome back to the be noble be kind podcast uh it's good to be back after a long hiatus i know i uh, have been slacking but to make up for it today i have a very special guest for everyone the one and only jody noble my dad how's it going going real well um so i've been meaning to have uh another guest on here and especially what i was really hoping for from the start of this was to have um friends and family even more so family so it feels good to finally have you on the podcast here feels great to be on the podcast i've uh enjoyed the ones that you've put out in the past and uh was looking forward to being on it yeah it, it it's a it's a weird experience like actually doing one especially because like i mean i think both you and i essentially listen to podcasts all day while we work oh i'm a podcast junkie i listen to so many joe rogan joey diaz i listen to oh just a ton of them right i mean it's how i get my news every day i listen to a couple different podcasts for that and um so yeah, and so and they're so enjoyable and fun to listen to. So that's kind of what also sparked up wanting to do it myself. And then, as an additional uh, bonus, you get an actual memory that is saved and you can go back to then with someone that you do it with, which I think is really cool as well. Oh, absolutely. Um. So I guess. For I'm assuming most people listening to this will know who you are and have met you. Um, but in case there might be any random listener or someone who doesn't, um, if there's anything you wanted to just kind of say about yourself. Well, I guess a little history about myself. Um, I was born uh, in Arena, Wisconsin, 1970, uh, to Jerry and Charlotte. Remember my parents. Um, I grew up mostly in Arena. Uh, we did bounce around a little bit. We lived in Madison for a little while, a little stint in Mount Horeb, and then uh, ended up back in Arena uh, in my grade school years. And um, my parents divorced when I was nine. And um, shortly after that, my dad met a wonderful woman, Emily. And they've been married now for 
36 years, I guess, because it's uh, they, they've been married 10 years longer than Shelly and I. Um, Shelly being my wife, Brandon's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so after my dad married Am, Emily, um, they built a house in Wyoming Valley just outside of Spring Green. And uh, so I pretty much lived there from the time I was about 10, 11, till I graduated from high school, River Valley High School. And uh, in 1988, um, in 1987, when I started my senior year, I started uh, having the hots for Brandon's mom. Finally got her to go on a date with me. We uh, went to uh, Def Leppard and Tesla concert in Madison. Uh, November 14th, 1987 was our first date. Um, after that, we became pretty much an item. Um, so we graduated in 88. Uh, I started working at a company in Middleton, uh, which, in fact, next Wednesday on the 14th of November... Will it be 30 years? Wow. Yeah. That's quite the milestone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, that's awesome. So the, it's funny because November 14th has so many, so much significance to me. It's, uh, it's my first date with Shelly. Uh, I started work at First Dam Pumps in Middleton and I got home from work that day and Shelly moved in with me. So pretty much we've been together ever since. Yeah, it's a big day then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll never forget it. Right. You know? um, so uh, Shelly and I got married in 1992. Um, our firstborn, Brandon, uh, came along in 95. And then uh, his sister, Mariah, two years later in 1997. And um, we lived in Arena on Village Edge Road. Um, till, gosh, I can never remember the year that we moved to Spring Green. Anyway, we've been in Spring Green. It was in between sixth and seventh grade for me. Um, so that would be 2006, in between 2006, seven, somewhere in there. Yeah, that's probably about right. Yeah, it's like 10, 11 years, 11 years, 12 years, yeah. So we've uh, lived in Spring Green. Um, the kids uh, both graduated from River Valley as well. And um, so now we're, uh, Brandon's recently out of college. Mariah is a senior at UW-Stout. And um, so that's kind of, yeah, fast forwarding really fast, but, but you know that's where we're at. <laughs> a few things happened in between. Yeah, there. quite a quite a few things <laughs> happened in between. Well, cool. That 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 gives um, everyone a good idea uh, of just kind of you know your life and background and all that, and um, and hearing that as well, it makes me think um, how cool it is. I mean, like obviously, I asked you to you know explain yourself. But so much of that is talking about everyone around you and us as well, like Mariah and myself. And it's just kind of cool to obviously that's a big part of of your life to be describing your life through 
the other people around you. Oh yeah. I, I've, I've often thought about it. Um, if I ever got it in my mind to write everything down, I'd have a book for sure. I mean, it's, it's been very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've always, so even before I was doing this, I tried to start like kind of journaling almost. And I've definitely been like slacking on that a lot. And it's just something that I haven't actually formed as a habit yet, but I would love to do that. And then this is also another like way. And it's also a kind of an easier way in a sense Yep. Yep. in order to just, I mean, it takes a lot of time to sit down and write out things, even if you're typing. Whereas if you can just talk and everything's recorded your voice as your thoughts are coming in, then, I mean, that's, it's just so fast and, um, it's really simple, actually. Yeah, I mean, really, if you think about it, um, you know, I'm 48 years old, and my life is uh, is a bunch of highlights, really. I mean, you can't remember everything. Yeah, you, you right. do remember the highlights. Like, I remember the day you were born. I remember the day Mariah was born. Yeah. I, I remember the day I was married. I mean, all of them are like huge events in your life that you just never forget. But there's so many little things that when you reflect, especially sitting with like a friend or whatever, like like my buddy Randy, when we sit and reminisce about our childhood, he remembers things that I have no idea even happened, but then I can do the same to him. It's just how it impacted you at the time kind of determines how, how it carries through with you through your life you know oh yeah for sure yeah um i also it it feels so weird like i'm all i feel like i'm interviewing you but we're just sitting here talking yeah and yeah. like obviously like this could just as easily be like a phone call or you coming here and we just would talk about whatever like after we work or whatever um but speaking of randy before that's a very good segue into um another big reason why uh we're we kind of put this together now um because uh we go out and hunt at randy's land yeah randy amble is a childhood friend of mine um we had a pretty big gap that we didn't really see each other a whole lot but then um uh, when Brandon became, you know, a, a hunter at 12, 12 years old or whatever, um, I was talking with Randy one day and he says, hey, you guys should come out here and hunt. So the first, I remember the first time we hunted, in fact, there's a picture hanging in the barn of the very first time Brandon and I hunted out at Randy Ambles. Um, that's in Wyoming Valley on County Z. Um, shout out to Randy. Um <laughs> was uh we went on a squirrel hunt and uh there's a really cool picture that was taken uh shows uh brandon holding up a few squirrels and randy's twin boys cole and heston um were in the picture or whatever and it was it was was fun and we've been out there many times since yeah because that would have been 10 or 11 12 years ago somewhere in there well you you were 12 or 13 years old so 10 years yeah. essentially yeah yeah so uh randy um is married to carla and uh they have 
four children. Their oldest is Adeline. She's in college right now in Eau Claire. Uh, the twin boys, Cole and Heston, they're going to be turning 16 on the 19th. Which is crazy. Yeah, next Monday. Um, it's crazy because, so another thing, when I was in, was I in high school still when I babysat? Yeah, yeah, because you had a driver's license. It would license. have been my, like in the summer, I uh, had babysat for them for the summer. Um, and so like, yeah, I mean, I've seen them grow up quite a bit as well and to to see kids that you babysat when you were younger and you were just getting your license and now they're like gonna be taking their driver's test. We know what's funny <laughs> is uh the youngest Ramsey um he's uh what is he a first or second grader now first grader first grader and um so he was he's the age that Cole and Heston were when Brandon and I first started going out there. Yeah. And um He's a he's quite the guy. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, he, I'd say uh he's my best child friend, I guess I would say. I, uh in fact, we kind of consider each other best friends, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's he calls me, sends me texts. Yeah, it's last cool. night he was snapchatting me funny pictures. Oh, or really? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a funny character, that's for sure. Yeah. So Randy and Carla have a beautiful farmette um, on uh, around 65 acres. Um, we hang out in this awesome, awesome it's, man cave it's barn. Man cave. It's an ultimate man cave. Yeah. Huge bar, kitchen, bathroom. Uh, I tried to count the taxidermy that's in the barn right now. The amount there's of- There's definitely over... 150 pieces of taxidermy. Yeah, whether it's a full head mount or just antlers, raccoon, fish, squirrel, bear, oh, coyote. Coyote. <laughs> I mean, a yeah, little bit of There's everything. a beaver pelt on the wall. There's turkey fans. There's, yep. there's uh, I don't know, hundreds of sheds hanging off the ceiling. There's yep. a, a, a old town canoe upside down over the bar that's old fishing poles old, old, it's it's really cool so yeah. anyone that hasn't seen it uh our description isn't doing it justice no, not but at it, all. It, it's definitely it's it's one of my favorite places to hang out well and another thing that i've realized too about that is i when i was younger i, I always thought like man it sucks you don't you get no service in there you can't send a text you can't pull up anything on your phone no but I love that. I do too. Now I appreciate it more. I do too. Because it's almost, it, I mean, it's like the way deer camp or, or like if you're just hanging out in the man cave, it's the way it should be. Abs- like you shouldn't be on your Absolutely. phone if you're just hanging around, having some beers and like getting ready for deer hunting or whatever yep. it might be. However, there's been times, many times that I've told mom, well, I'm just going to run out to Randy's for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if we're in the barn. Communication and, and time slips away on you really fast out there. Oh yeah, uh, I'll be driving home and a text will pop in. Uh, where the heck are you? <laughs> right, I can, it's it's a it's a vortex. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, minutes, mi- hours seem like minutes out there. Yeah, no doubt. So some of you may be hearing some rustlings in the background. Um, that would be Q. He's. Uh, 
you know, just being himself, being a dog, and he probably hear his collar, and he might bark here or there, but don't mind him. He's just hanging out with us. Um, but anyways, back to um, talking about hunting, specifically what happened two weeks ago. Um, many of you have probably already seen. I've I've posted some stuff on social media, and I'm working on a video as well since I was able to uh, self-film my very first ever deer that I got with a bow, Yeah, um, which was an amazing experience. I'm really looking forward to getting that video out there because that's like another one of those like big moments that I'll never forget. And it even is solidified more by like making a video of it, talking about it. Well, well not only that, um, it was special for, it was special for you. It was really special for me. And we got to share it with Randy and the boys. They, yeah. they were very much a part of it. Right. And, and um, that makes a hunting experience just that much more. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. When you can share it yeah. with other people and especially like, how, I mean, I'm just so thankful that we, I mean, I know people, whether you have private land to hunt on or not, like you can find public land and whatnot. Um, but I am very thankful not just to have the private land, but to be able to hang out there with them specifically. Oh, absolutely. And, um, what was really cool for me is, um, uh, you had mentioned earlier this spring that you would like to get back into right archery because i had only bow hunted one year prior to this year yeah and it was hard when and you then were i in... took i took a big break from hunting and fishing in general well that was college for when i was in college yeah. um which was fine i mean i i def now i definitely it just kind of depends like whatever you're into and what you want to be doing. Like during those times, I just wanted to be hanging out with, with friends and we'd go out and drink. Well, and and then also just on you know, school, obviously. Yeah, it takes I mean, up a lot of time. I mean, think back, uh, like the year we got you a bow, I got a brand new one as well. We went down to Papa's Trading Post, picked out a couple bows. Um, you hunted that fall when you could. I mean, you were. Uh, three sport athlete. Um, right. You worked at hometown supermarket and whatnot. So it, it was really hard for you to find time. And, and archery hunting is one of those things that you really need to put some time in. Yeah. And I just have to chuckle about your first, <laughs> your first. It's so, it, on, it's, it's not the norm. It's no. By any means. Not by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's completely not. I'm sure there's a handful of people who have had the same experience as me, but the vast majority of bow hunters struggle. cannot they, say that they, they got one. They struggle for maybe years trying yes. to get their first archery harvest under their so belt. So I can say that I did have some struggle because the first year I went, I don't know if I had to have sat um like very long or what but i did 
the very first deer that I shot at with a bow was a, a doe, and I did miss that one. So I hadn't really thought of it, like, in the meantime, about, like, it's not something that's weighed on me. Right. Whatever. Right. But in a way, like, this was kind of, like, a, don't mind Q, <laughs> he's just messing with an antler right now. Um, but in a way, this was kind of a redemption, just because, so the details, I guess, of this hunt. So I, I had been, you know... Well, let's um, let's backtrack it to when you decided to get back into it because that's that's kind of important because yeah you know listening to like Joe Rogan um, talk about his hunting experiences and and harvesting his own meat that he's eating and and how he does it and why he does it you know has been very inspirational to even get me back into the woods because I, I I'll be honest with you I haven't bought a archery license in four years before this year right and part of it was um you know it 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 is a dedication you have to dedicate time to it um scouting putting up stands clearing brush doing this and that making sure you're able to make a shot yep the the practice time you you really should shoot thousands of arrows before you ever pull back on an animal yes and um so this this spring, um, Brandon just had talked to me a little bit about getting back into it. And I'm like, awesome. You know, that's that's the inspiration I need is someone to do it with. And I can't think of anyone better than, you know, right. my own family and, and friends, you know. Yeah, well, you, I mean, and I can't say that I would ever have gotten into hunting or fishing in the way that I have. If it were, I mean, obviously it's something that you have passed down to me. A lot of your knowledge and my interest in it has come from that. Um, and so back to, yeah, like the whole reason behind that is I've kind of been more like this last year I've been like getting more into like health and this is kind of has stemmed from podcasts that I've listened to and stuff as well. But, and, um, so like being able to go out and hunt and like get your own meat and like, you know, how you got that. You've, the, you've been the one that, that has handled it. And it just, there's a, there's a good sense of like, of pride and accomplishment that like comes with that. Oh yeah. And it's it's healthy it's good for you oh it's the best you're not going to find a better meat to eat than a wisconsin whitetail any wild game i mean you gotta you gotta figure wisconsin whitetail they they eat like cattle but yet live free range and yeah and right there's no antibiotics there's no hormones there's none of that you know yeah and it, it it's awesome. Yeah. So that, that was like a big thing for me getting back into it was, you know, I, I find myself going to the grocery store and, you know, just buying, I mean, it feels weird how like normal it is to just go there and you like, you just buy a steak, but you don't think like this came from a cow, Mm -hmm. a cow was killed, butchered up, from who knows where, I guess I go to the pick and save two blocks away. And, uh, that cow didn't come from two blocks away. It came from somewhere else. 
so it, it that that was part of it a big thing for me too for hunting is i mean i didn't really care what i got i i just wanted i'm i'm getting to where i bought like a sportsman's package uh, of like licenses where i want it, it basically all like the fish and game that is offered in wisconsin it, it's like you get licensed for that and so that was part of like putting money there to then get me to go out and hunt and for the purpose of getting like my own meat and it just feels better than to just go to a grocery store and just buy whatever oh yeah and you know that that's a good point you know your own meat <clears throat> well i grew up being a meat hunter okay um it was never my ultimate goal to go out and shoot trophy deer that I could do taxidermy and put on the wall. Um, we grew up in a household that lived mainly on wild game that we harvested because, you know, things were a little tighter and tougher back then right. for, for my family. So it wasn't uncommon for us to, you know, harvest three or four deer a year. Uh, I would, was constantly squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting. We ate all that game, yeah. you know, and, and, um, you know, I, I appreciate it probably more now than I did then that I had that opportunity to do it like that. Oh, absolutely. You know, but, um, yeah, so I, I've, I've always been more of a meat hunter. Now, don't get me wrong. If the Muy Grande comes walking by, it's exciting to see oh, big antlers. I, there's I mean, nothing that gets blood pumping faster than seeing a big right. set of antlers coming. And like through. another big guy who is behind the inspiration of this is Stephen Ranella. I mean, he has a podcast and YouTube and whatever, all this stuff, meat eater. And the, I've heard him talk about that as well. And in a sense, he would consider himself a trophy hunter, but only in the sense that that way you know you are taking a mature animal that has lived its life out. Yep. And I mean, not and he has explained too. Like, don't get him wrong. If his freezer is low, he'll take anything because that's his number one. But if he's set, he he'll be pickier about. And this is a guy whose career is hunting. So it's different for him than to us, I feel like, as more, I would call us more like casual. Like, it's not our career. No, hunt. right. We're just doing it for our recreational enjoyment and to get meat. Absolutely. Out of it, Absolutely. Which is so different. Yep. But, anyways, so two weeks ago, we so the season starts in September, bow hunting. Yeah, later September, I believe. And so the first and bow hunting for those of you who don't know is uh, most people are probably more familiar with gun hunting. And in Wisconsin, there's a traditional nine day um, gun hunt, which happens starting the Saturday uh, before Thanksgiving through the Sunday after. Yes. So coming up, depending on when I get this out and when you're listening to it. Um, but anyways, bow hunting starts pr 
prior to that, and technically you could just bow hunt. You wouldn't have to gun hunt at all. You could still bow hunt. Right. Um, but anyways, bow hunting occurs around what's referred to as the rut, which is when, so once this time of year in the fall, when the temperature is dropping, um, bucks is when they're going around chasing does. Yep, those will go into estrus and yep, so that they can reproduce. Yep, um, and that drives the bucks absolutely crazy. Right. I'd go crazy, too, if I was only uh, getting to breed once a year. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I would. <laughs> that would... <laughs> Luckily, we don't have to go through that, I guess. But anyways, um, so that, that that's what you're trying to... Um, plan around so we decided to go two weeks ago the temperature was kind of starting to drop it was right now like the first week of november we've had a cold front come in is probably considered the rut like yeah a right lot now. of a lot of my friends are taking off work right i know now a lot of people yeah. to for the rut because you know brandon's buck was probably shot um in a not a pre-rut stage but an early early rut, early rut stage yeah and um to be honest with you, um, even when I was younger and I did a lot of bow hunting, I never really got excited to go to the woods until we've we've had a few frost, knock some leaves off the trees, um, the 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 greeneries less, um, the bugs by far less. I mean, if you if you went out opening weekend of archery season, you're gonna have to deal with mosquitoes, and, right? And, you know, it's just not as pleasant to, to deal with. It might be too warm, whatever. So I like to wait until, you know, we see a couple frosts, kind of get out in that pre-early, pre-rut stage, I guess, yeah. into the rut, you know. For sure. Like, bucks will go around and they'll make scrapes. So they'll, like, scrape the ground with their hooves and they'll... Um, rub their antlers, rub antlers in into the sh brush um, yeah and so they'll like get their scent around and they're they're going around looking for does and whatnot and so so anyways that day so two weeks ago um i don't know the exact date it was uh saturday the october 20th it would have been the 20th yeah 20th yeah so we brandon came out to the night before and spent the night at our house yeah. we got all we went out to the the uh, barn the uh, man cave we were talking about earlier um and kind of was putting together a game plan essentially for like the next day um and so we got up early the next morning um had everything ready to go Got out to where we're hunting, which from your house is a 10, 15 minute drive only. Yep. yep. Um, got out into the stands um, before the sun's coming up. So we're in two different stands. Probably um, around 400 yards apart. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Um, and so we, and I had the intention, like, from the start to kind of um, try and self film this 
And so the entire day, like while we were sitting, I was kind of like getting some footage and had like two GoPros kind of ready for, you know, you never know when the deer is going to come in and when you got to be ready to, you always have to be ready when you're sitting there. Um, and so I was like getting some footage and stuff like that, but then it kind of started raining on us that mid morning. And so we had to, um, or we didn't have to, but we, we took decided a break for to, a couple hours, yeah, which is t- pretty normal anyways on a, when you're hunting, you don't yeah. like get in the stand before dark and then you sit for as long as you can, weather depending yep. uh, that has a lot to do with it. Um, and then take a break, get something to eat. And then we go back and, uh, so then we went and sat for the afternoon. Um, and so the rain had stopped. Um, we got back in, I was doing some more filming and stuff. And then finally, like maybe it was an hour or two before sunset, the sun actually came out, uh, broke through the clouds. I remember that. Um, and then it was getting to be around six o'clock. We had been sitting since like two thirty ish, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you had just texted me that shooting hours were essentially going to be done, and to so that I would. You were in between my stand and the truck, so we that I would have to like get packing up whenever I was ready and come over and meet you. And so I like stood up and did one last look around and before packing up, uh, which is a very good thing that I did do this. Cause when I, and then I heard something behind me and sure enough, I looked back and there's a buck, um, oh, making how, a, how far away was it when you first seen it? Probably a hundred yards. Okay. So it was, down on that trail coming. Yeah. So I didn't, I don't know which direction it came from. I'm assuming it was on that trail the whole time because that goes back farther. Yeah, it probably pa- came back from that to other rut, rut stand. Rut stand yeah. So I, I, I saw it, saw antlers and started filming. Like I got a GoPro on my head, GoPro behind me, got those going and got ready. And a lot of times deer can just like all of a sudden they're on you depending on the stand and how much vision you have. This one, I was very fortunate that I saw it and with such in advance because like you're sitting in the stand. Had you not stood up, that deer would have, you, you, you probably would have spooked it before you ever seen it. That's what I was, that's what you're most nervous. Because you were faced nervous. away from the direction mm-hmm. it was coming from. So, yeah, essentially I could, it could have been coming from behind me. And if I would have never heard it, I mean, at that point it's 15 yards from you. Any movement or anything you do is just magnified that much more. And it, you're much more likely to get busted by that deer. So I was able to get up, stand up. And part of like, almost like a, it was just kind of a rookie mistake, I guess, on my part, because I have seen so many videos and heard so many things of people getting busted, especially when you draw back, that I drew back probably way too early. I mean, I held for about a minute, we figured after the fact. I was very impressed with that, because typically... I can only hold back my bow for maybe 15 or 20 seconds before I start to shake too bad that I'm afraid to take a shot after that. Right. And I wasn't even thinking of that because I was just so focused on 
the deer and what I was oh and another thing so I drew back early and as it was getting closer I started to breathe heavier and I was wearing a face mask <laughs> and also wearing glasses and so I started breathing heavier and a product of all that is my glasses started fogging up which doesn't make for very good accurate <laughs> shooting when you can't see yeah so I I'm already drawn and I had to like hook my mask with uh, my finger of the hand that I had drawn back and basically bit on my mask so I could at least breathe through my nose without fogging up my glasses. And it kept coming down the trail, kept coming. Um, and there's just a lot of different, I mean, each scenario you have with the deer is totally different. This one, this like, I wouldn't be surprised if I never have a hunting experience like this again, or one as perfect as this. Well, just the way you described it, it couldn't have been any more perfect. It couldn't have been any more perfect. Like, it was the last light of the day. If that deer shows up 10, 15 minutes later, I don't, I can't shoot. If I don't hear it in enough time, it might bust me. If the wind's not right, it could smell me and bust me. Um... I could just straight up miss the shot. Well, all these different things. So it, and like, sometimes they might be running or walking through, they might be on a doe. And then that case, they're, they're really moving most of the time. And so you might have to like make a noise to get them to stop. So he was walking on the trail and then he just stopped behind a tree. So he can't see me because I can't see his head. And sometimes a tree might be blocking your shot or a branch is in the way. But no, I had a perfect shot to the vital zone of the deer and so the, he stopped so, walking. So the head is behind a tree. The vitals are... I have a direct line to them. Direct line. It's in the perfect distance that you've been practicing. It's 15 yards away, which is like where I start and end practicing when I shoot. Yep from like a deck or whatever ever i mean it, it yeah it doesn't it was in get, a sweet spot yeah i mean i i, I could have gone farther farther or whatever but it's just it, everything was perfect about it and i got it on film perfectly whatever all that it just blows my mind so it's it stops in this perfect sweet spot and i'm still drawn back you're, you're drawn back I'm now getting, you're now you're looking through your peep sight into your pins, and, and and you placed it where putting it putting the pins on him. So my top pin, and so I also recently like in preparation as well was watching a lot of things on YouTube and getting ready. And they they talk about thinking of where your arrow is going to exit and not just because if you're shooting level on the ground, it's different than when you're in a stand. Because when you're on the ground, you're going to shoot in the behind the shoulder and kind of low is where the heart sits. But if you're in a stand, if you hit there, it's just going to go through the bottom chest of the deer and maybe not hit any of like the harder lungs. So you have to aim up a little higher. So like you normally split the whole deer, like the profile of it into thirds and that you aim for that top third if you're shooting from a stand in an elevated spot. So if it enters there, it's still going to be going through, Drive through the vitals, that vital area. The heart, lungs, liver area. Right. So that's what I ended up putting my – that's where I was aiming. And 
let the arrow fly. I could tell I hit it because it was so close. I saw the arrow go in and the way it ran off, I could, you can tell if they're running normal. It, it kind of had some extra kick and weirdness to it. And I listened through it. it. It ran off for a few seconds and I heard it crashing through brush and then I heard it fall down which is obviously a good sign. If you hear it continue running off, you either missed or you didn't get a good hit or right. whatever. I heard it crash and I waited a little longer and just kept listening and didn't hear anything. And then I gave you a call and let you know I wouldn't be walking towards you because I, yep. I actually got one. Yep. So Brandon, my phone actually was ringing. It wasn't just a text. So I answered the phone. It's Brandon. He's He's. You could hear it in his voice that he was excited. He was oh, a, little, a little bit out of breath or oh, whatever. Yeah. He was dead. He goes, I just shot a buck. And I'm like, awesome. I said, you hit it good? He goes, oh, yeah, I hit it real good. I said, did you see what direction it ran off? He goes, yep, I, I know, know exactly, exactly where it went. He goes, in fact, I heard it crash and, and, and then quiet. And I'm like, well, that's a great sign. I said, I tell you what. I said, you stay there. I'll go down to the to the barn and get Randy and the boys. We'll be up right as soon as we can get there. So I get down to the house and um, um, Randy was there. He goes, "Well, I got to go pick up Cole." Cole was uh, hunting in a stand um, down the road. So, and and Randy was going to pick him up in the car because it was dark. <clears throat> and um, Heston was there, and he was all excited. So they got back, and uh, uh, we grabbed some flashlights, and up through the woods we went because by this time it was it was yeah. pretty dark. So I was just kind of hanging out, waiting for all you guys um, in the dark because what you had told me, which I didn't really think of this because I've only killed deer with a gun, and that's normally like pretty instant. Yep where like you can pretty much go up to it essentially right away and yep. you can start the process of of gutting the deer and all that yep but with a bow like you said i mean sometimes it just takes them a little longer for them yeah i mean if you would have hit like for example if you'd have hit high in the lungs or whatever it might it, it might have went traveled a little further but it would have laid down and basically uh, I mean, it's in survival mode. Yeah, like, yeah. it would have just taken a little longer to expire or whatever. Yeah. But um, so we get up to the to the stand that Brandon was at and found blood right away. Got on the blood trail. That was something I had never done. Yeah. Before either. Especially like at night, so you need the flashlights. Yeah. There's like the excitement because like instead of like seeing it and knowing right where it is. Obviously is a good thing, like yeah. whatever, but what would you yeah. say was about fifteen feet away from where the deer was standing when you shot that we found a I length think it of was, your arrow? I think it was farther away. Was it than further that. away? Probably like well, 30 we found yards. we found most of Brandon's arrow like um, the shaft, the essentially yeah, all all, all but like three inches of it. Right. And there was a lot of blood on it. Uh the arrow did not pass through all the way through. It it went into the deer, and when the deer turned and ran, it broke off the arrow, um, probably on a tree or something. Yeah. And uh, so we found blood. The, uh, Brandon and Cole were kind of doing most of the Leading. tracking of the blood. 
And it started out a little drop here, a little drop there, and it started to turn into where it was a no doubt or which way it was going because the, the, it was a little heavier blood. Yeah, and you could see where it had barreled through like thick like stuff. You could see it's like pathway through it all yeah. essentially. Yeah. So then uh, literally the deer went 40 yards max, I would say, 50. Yeah, I mean... I'd say around. It's kind of 50. hard to judge in the dark. Yeah, especially like I wasn't counting my steps. I was just trying to find blood right. and, and continue right. walking. So I mean, yeah. I I would guess around that distance. Though. Yeah. So when we got to the deer, it was it was clearly expired. It was. Mm-hmm. And um, so high fives all around. Um, we got some pictures, a little photo op, and. Um, then it was time to go to work. Get to work, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Have you ever field dressed a deer by yourself? Yeah, I mean, I know like some of the earlier ones um, I've done with you. I know for sure I, I, I really remember the first buck I ever got, um, which was also at Randy's. Um, but just because like the... Um, a tradition, I guess you could call it, of, yeah. of hanging the nuts in a tree is kind of like <laughs> what sticks in my mind. And yeah. I remember like doing that. Um, and like in preparation for this, I had, had watched videos and that's part of like Stephen Renella's like mediator thing. Yeah. Is he highlights I mean, that. We don't need to his... go into great no. detail in case there's some sensitive people that are going to hear this, but basically it's, it's well, yeah, part of the gig. You have it. to, yeah, I mean, you have to get what's inside the deer out. So, yeah. and it, and and through that process, we had discovered like that. I I actually had um, hit its heart. The arrow had went perfectly into through. and out of its heart. There was the both shot right through, right through. See. I mean, you kind of hit the heart more more centered if you try. No, not even if yeah, even if I had to like place it myself yeah. point blank. Yeah. yeah. So we knew that the broadhead was broke off. We had, yeah. Well, we hadn't found it. And there was no exit hole. Right. So that we knew the broadhead was in it, so we had to be super careful. Yeah. So Brandon. Uh, we saved the heart and the liver. Yeah, we, we brought that down. And we basically drug it back to down to the barn in the house, uh, which that's another nice thing about the land there <laughs> it's all downhill <laughs> all the stands are essentially all uphill from where we would end up taking the deer to process it so yeah dragging it was just across you know whatever Level land and then down and then downhill yeah. which is very made for a nice easy drag yeah. um so it was a the temperature i would say was probably in the low to mid 40s i'd say 42 45 degrees give or take i mean it was cool yeah um so we decided uh to hang it we hung it in uh the buck tree and uh we actually got the hide off of the deer that night so that it could cool down yeah that's good. a very important yeah thing. you gotta you gotta take care of your especially for keeping all the meat make sure that it doesn't spoil or do anything bad you want to let the let the whole deer cool down. 
Um, so yeah, getting the hide off is really important. Yeah. So we got the hide off of letting it, it hang in the cold weather. It got a chance to hang for um, overnight. Overnight. Yeah. So um, we went back out to Randy's the next morning, mid morning, I'd say ten o'clock. And uh, so we got it out of the tree, put it in the back of my truck, brought it home, and uh, set up a little butcher shop in the garage. And tackled it ourselves. And uh, so Brandon and I uh, deboned the whole deer, um, got beautiful steaks out of it, roast, um, just... Lots of meat for uh, to grind up. Yeah, later. that was about 20 pounds of... Uh, Trim, we call it trim meat. You yeah. can either turn it into sausage, hamburger, whatever you want to turn it into. But we just bagged that and froze it for now. So when we uh, figure out what we get with during the nine nine day gun season, can be added in we'll we'll get it out then and get that all processed through. But uh, so Brandon brought home private. You probably brought home twenty twenty five pounds of. Oh, yeah. Of steak and roast it material. It took up a good chunk of my oh, freezer. Oh, when we got home Saturday night, um, we had to deal with the heart and liver. Yeah. Um, so, typically, I have eight venison liver in the past. And I had never. I've had heart. Heart is probably, like, And it's a big best. organ. The I, liver was huge. The liver probably is, uh, I don't know, picture... Uh, five pound chunk of something and that's about what it is it's a it's a big organ yeah and um so we washed and washed and cleaned it all off and uh cut it into strips cut off the outside membrane i call it yeah i mean i don't even know if you have to do that I don't or know not if you have to or not but i think just for the sake of at least for the first time, right. I mean, we were kind of just kind of going, like, right. trying so, it out. So after we got it all cut into strips, um, we soaked it in salt water overnight so that it could clean out. You you want to get as much of the blood out of the meat as you can on a, on a liver. Yeah. yeah, that and the heart, yep. for sure. Yeah. So the next morning, we got it back out, re-rinsed it, and bagged it all up, and then we went and got your... The rest of yeah, the year and process, process that whole thing that down. Yeah, so that that uh, that all went really smooth. What did it take us about an hour and a half to debone that? A couple hours, yeah. Two hours, yeah. A couple three, I suppose, with the setup and cleanup. Yeah, it was all three two probably hours. Yeah. more so. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah. So you've, been, been, you've ate a few meals out of that. Yep, I've enjoyed. Christy and I, I did some. Of the tenderloin, the backstrap for, and then liver for just us as so, the first trial run. So, so explain to those listening uh, what your experience was with the liver. How did you prepare it and how did it taste to you? So I've, I've actually prepared it twice now. So as, it was last night when I had a bunch of friends over because um, a big part of this was that I wanted to share this did with other people. Did you cook it in people. the house or did you do yeah. it down well, so the first time I did liver, I did it outside on the outside grill in a pan out there. 
because you told me that I, grandpa. I, didn't, I didn't know how it smelled. Didn't have the best experience with it, and when we were first handling it, it didn't smell the greatest. But after it had sat through a couple of like overnight brines, which is like the salt water, it it didn't have a bad smell. It, so we, the second time when we were cleaning it initially, it was a strong. It's strong. A yeah. Strong. Well, the liver, yeah, is that's just how it is essentially, yeah. but. Yeah. So the second time I I um I did it in the apartment, it was totally fine. But the first time did I really doctored it up. And flour or anything? Nope, I just did it straight up. Oh, you did in a pan with onions, garlic, butter. The first time I had bacon with it, <laughs> just cause. Uh, but this the second time I didn't. I just did butter, onion, and garlic. Okay. Uh, and then like salt, pepper, whatever. Um, and then I did the. The roasts, reverse seared them, did them in a pan, and then had them in the oven for a while. And then the heart, I just pan fried in butter. That's the best. Which way is to, the to me, that's the best way to have it. Yeah. So essentially, I I had three different like things for people to try, and kind of three different styles as well. Yeah. So then, like the liver, when it was cooked with the butter and the garlic and onions, it all it made like a sauce essentially oh, yeah. out of it that I had them like on it and everyone tried it liver was not the favorite by everyone it's got it tastes just like venison but it's it's a, the texture is different it's kind of like chewy and chalky almost oh yeah 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 uh i loved it see i i haven't i hadn't had liver in a long time not a venison liver but i remember as a kid uh we always had a hunting party you know, so my dad would have friends out or whatever, and at the end of the day, when we'd hang up the deer or whatever, my dad would be frying liver and heart fresh yeah. that day. And if I were to do this again, I'd like to say I wouldn't really want to freeze them either. I would probably do those right away. Although letting them freeze and then taking them back out, like the process of freezing the liver and then thawing it out again, drew a lot of more blood out of it. So that might help almost if you don't like that taste. So next time I would probably try and do it a little more fresh for the actual like experience, experience. but for enjoyment from like most people going through that whole process probably helps in the long run, oh, I guess. I'm sure it does. The taste. I'm sure it does. Yeah. The more blood you can get out of it, yeah. I would assume. So, um, the buck that Brandon shot was a really nice eight pointer. Yeah, it was the biggest one I've ever. I've shot in a four and a six before. Yeah, this was an eight pointer. But... Um, I measured the inside spread was thirteen and three quarters, and the outside spread, which is on the outer outer antlers was Widest, 15 and yeah. three quarters so it's so it's it was actually pretty it had some pretty good mass to it um, yeah i mean it was nothing pretty, spectacular you know the tine length like your the the longest tines were probably in that six seven inch range or whatever yeah um so i talked to some people about Brandon would talk about wanting a um, European mount, which is the whole skull and the antlers of the of the deer. And um, so I was talking to s- some friends of mine about, you know, who would be the best person to do it and how much it would cost and whatever. 
Well, I ended up talking to a guy I work with and he goes, oh yeah, he goes, I do them all the time. He goes, it's super easy or whatever. And, and, uh, so I took the head and I took, got it down to the skull. I got it down to as much, I got as much off of it as I could. And I took it to work and the guy took it home. And, uh, in fact, we were talking yesterday when I got back to work from our trip out East, um, he has already boiled it and pressure washed it. And basically it's got to sit for a week or so. Then he'll go through a bleaching process and then he seals it. Right. Um, whatever. Yeah. So he told me that you should have it back before the nine day hunting season, which I thought was cool because then we can bring it to yeah, the barn. That'll be awesome. And people will get to see you know, yeah, and hopefully I'll have like the video. Yeah. And I don't know if you ready. noticed. Did you notice that the antlers were kind of goofed up a little bit on it? The one tip. Yeah, well, I don't know what that. I, it is looks called. to me like the ant the the rack must have had a little damage when the the, the antlers were still in a velvet form, but it kind of gives it character. Oh, for sure, you it's know? unique. Well, I mean, you could argue everyone. Every They're single all unique, one is yeah. unique. Yeah, but um, this one, but here, this one is even more. Yeah, it has it has some weird texturing on it, like it was damaged when, and when it was in the velvet process, right? But um, no, I, I'm I'm excited to get it back. Um, so you yeah. know, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, the memory you'll always have, but it's always nice to have. Uh, a little hardware to go with the memory right you know? yeah because the meat i'll eat all that and yeah. that'll be good memories like there's just so much good things that are coming like from this like having the friends over we all had a great time last night i'll be able it, it's always fun sitting around talking about well, hunting stories and being able to create one of the funniest things of that i that came out of this was uh uh our friend randy's a jokester you know, he, he, he makes some pretty funny one, funny jokes once in a while, but he said to Brandon, he goes, God, I'm so glad you're out here. I thought we lost you forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it felt good to be back and, and I, I'll, I'll be back much more for sure. I mean, I, I plan on making hunting and fishing a, a bigger like part of my life and what I'm going to be doing. I enjoy it. It's to me, it's to fun. me, it's there's there's almost something spiritual about it because you're sitting out in nature. Okay, we're, we're all consumed with electronics and all the the noise. There's so much noise yeah. in this world. When you're sitting out in a tree stand, whether you're sitting there with a, a bow and arrow or a, a gun, it, it's a it's pretty spiritual. Yeah. You know, there's there's wildlife and things going on around you that you don't get to see every day. I remember one time I was sitting in a, in a stand and I looked straight ahead and there's a family of raccoons coming out of a hole. The last one, come on, I think there were six of them. The last one came out and all of a sudden it realized I was there and they went all six of them right, went right back in. And I swear to God, the hole that these big raccoons were coming out of was only like six or seven inches like in diameter. Softball. Yeah. And these big fat coons were coming up, raccoons were coming out of this hole. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's amazing. It is. The, the things you get to see and yeah. hear and, and or not hear. Well, it, it, it's what we came from, essentially. I mean, our ancestors didn't have an iPhone to stare at no. all day long. No. No. <laughs> so it's cool. It, it you get a, a, it is a spiritual experience. I think it is. It's, I've always it's felt good that for way. You. Yeah. yeah. I've to always get outside and and some of my memories. Some of my best naps have been out in a tree stand. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That or in a hammock somewhere or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so this uh this will always be a special special year for for me. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the gun hunt coming up as well. Yep. Um and there was more that we were gonna talk about, but that'll be for we'll another save it day. For another time. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, well, I, I wanna thank thank you for having me on, Brandon. Uh, I did wanna mention that uh, when you named your podcast Be Noble, Be Kind mm. or whatever, that uh, I thought that was the coolest name for a podcast. It fits. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And and it fits you. you well, know? Thank you. Yeah. I mean it came from you as well. So <laughs> Thanks for coming by, and this was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. I can't wait to do it again. All right, love you. Love you too.